Whoa, 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 whoa. That's two podcasts done in 24 hours. I'm feeling a little drained, feeling exhausted, but um, man, the amount of learning and stuff I get to uh, talk with these incredible individuals from all around the world. Uh, I'm just grateful and excited and happy I get to do it. Um, so massive thank you to everybody who's tuning in. Massive thank you to the guests. We're going to jump into today's guest and who they are. Um, before that, please go ahead and like, subscribe to the show. Leave a five-star review if you love this show. If this is something you've learned or helped, um, those little algorithmic um, little things you can do for the show are tremendous. They help. Massive thank you. We're almost at 200. That is amazing. Thank you so much, everybody who has left one. And I'm going to jump over into our sponsor, Ambry Gardens. Massive thank you to them and the CBD products they provide for the show and viewers and listeners of said show. Um, I'm loving the ointment on the skin, uh, the deep rub, as well as the muscle recovery. They've been great. Um, post-workout and in the evenings. Uh, I highly recommend you do that if you're doing any kind of training or sport and need, want to hack into recovering ba- faster and quicker. I'm always skeptical about doing this, but Ambry Gardens has been the ticket. And if you use promo code BUSDRIVER, you're going to get a 15% discount on any and all product. Um, and again, highly suggest you check out the deep rub and the muscle recovery. That promo code BUSDRIVER. Thank you, Jake, and thank you, Ambry gardens and now we got today's show we have john kim john kim goes by the angry therapist on the internet and john actually uh, attends the gym that i attend here in la when i moved out here and i got a hold of his book the uh how i used to be a miserable fuck and being a young man and a young male in today's day and age i can't help but think uh you know we all struggle with trying to find ourselves and how we define masculinity and not even what we define as masculinity, but what society tells us it is to be a man and the things we have to do, whether that's in relationships, whether those be um, monogamous relationships, poly poly relationships, um, and whatever your uh, sexual orientation is, whether you're a man in a uh, heterosexual relationship, a homosexual relationship, like how we define ourselves is, it's tough. It's difficult and challenging. We, We see how men have been defined and what roles we need to play and you know, as we know from history and we know from time, none of those things are ever stay the same and they're always changing and they're always moving. So, um, John and I, and I tackle all of that. We talk about a lot of, <laughs> end up talking a lot about my past, my experiences, the way I see the world, uh, the way I see, um, uh, masculine gender roles as heterosexual. And, uh, I think it's really, really deep and informative conversation. And I really want to thank John for jumping on the show. Please go check out John's work. He has his own podcast, The Angry Therapist. He is always posting out um, shows, uh, podcast shows, Instagram content. It's really great stuff. And if you're interested in being a life coach, you're interested in getting um, one-on-one training with him, I would highly suggest you check out his work, and that's going to be the links in the description. So here we go, episode 33. we got another one coming out tomorrow. Podcast, podcast, podcast with The Angry Therapist, John Kim. Okay. What's going on today, John? Uh, welcome on the bus driver experience. Uh, Thank you for having me. I'm going to hijack that bus and uh, take it on my book tour in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Gladly. We'd love to, we'd love to host, it, host you on a thing like that. It'd be amazing. How are uh, you? Uh, I'm good, man. It's been, uh, it's been great having live shows going again. The pandemic's been easy for me. I've been busy. I've been getting a lot of stuff done. I've been active like crazy. So um, everything's been good, man. Just trying to trying to handle it all. And yeah, you seem right. like someone, uh, and I love this. Uh, you seem like someone who spins a lot of plates. Yeah, and yeah. that's a good thing and a bad thing. It's a good thing because yeah, yeah, I love yep. life. I love waking up every day, and I love the opportunity to. Uh, I, I just, I'm just excited about everything. I'm excited about the great coffee I'm about to make in the morning. I'm excited oh, I when I it. when I hit the bed at the end of the night. However. You know, you've got to, the balance of that is not completely perfect because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I definitely drown myself in all the task purposely, you know, to avoid yeah. feeling, to avoid, uh, you know, emotions or past events. So limiting your self-reflection and reflection time on the stuff. So, you know, that's why 
Uh, I loved your book. I love uh, <laughs> everything you do on you know social media, the posts, the therapists. The, Thank you. Uh, and I love the name of the book. You know how it used to be a miserable thought. You know I yeah, read this I, about. I actually had a lot of resistance, uh, so my publishers wanted to call it that, and um, I didn't want to jump on the fuck train. There's a lot of self help books with the word fuck in it, and uh, I sat with it for a while, and I was like, you know, is it because of that? Uh, you know, why do you not want this? And it was because. As a therapist, I didn't want to announce that I used to be miserable, right? Because that, that would be embarrassing. Um, and so because of that, I, I said, okay, this, this needs to be the title. And so there it is. Why do people not want to, or why do uh, um, publishers want to use the word fuck? But I mean, fuck is also one of the most derogatory terms. So yeah. It's way more of a negative sexual term than anything. Sure. Um, you know, sure. Why did you not want to do it? Why do they want to? Um, there's a wave. Well, well, they wanted to do it because it's uh, it was... Um, I used to be a miserable fuck was uh, uh, like the, the first few sentences of the book. So they're actually taking it from my writing, which is fair. Um, but there's a wave of self-help books um, in, in the last couple of years that uses like, um, I think there's one called Fucking Feelings, or there's also something called uh, a book called Unfuck Yourself. Uh, <laughs> really popular one, That's good. Really popular one is um, um, Mark Manson, and he's a talented writer, uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Yes, and I so because that. there's a lot of these, I just, I didn't want to be another person using the word fuck in a self-help book. Um, but, you know, they convinced me it's used differently. Um, you're saying you used to be miserable and it's true. So uh, I was like, all right, let's do it. So, yeah, I think, I think I that title re refers way more to you than the individual right, who's going right. to read the book. You know, there's right, a lot, right. if, if anything, like, you know, like what you talk about in a lot of your stuff, it's, you know, it puts more onus on the individual. Um it yeah. forces them to really reflect. Yeah. Um, where where have I seen that um, recently? It, it's just with empathy in general. Um, I think our society and our culture lacks so much empathy. You know, sure. reflect reflection. You know, not just on the day, but you know how someone else, how how some our actions or just life in general can be for someone else, and how to put yourself in someone else's shoes. Yeah, but you know, with what's happening now, um, I think. Uh, it's going to force us to be more empathetic. I completely people, agree. You know, um, and I think that the COVID, the virus has become kind of a primer. It's like, it's like the universe grabbed us and made us sit still for three months, you know, <laughs> as the runway. And then now everything with, uh, um, you know, what's going on in the world and, and, and the, uh, the protests and all of that stuff. Um, George Floyd and then the Black Lives Matter, it's, it's making room for us to really look at ourselves to, to, uh, for us to, um, practice non-judgment for us to um, look inward, to hold up mirrors. And, you know, you're either going to resist it or lean into it. And if you resist it, I think you're just going to, you know, stay hardened. And, um, you know, I, I, everything that's pushed down eventually comes surfaces, you know. Um, if you lean into it, I think you're going to change. I think you're going to then um, be able to be more empathetic, um, more wide, you know, more non-judgmental and be able to, you know, hold safer space spaces. Uh, totally. Uh, let me get that. Mute that audio. Um, no, I, I completely agree it, in terms of like, hey, COVID's going to force us to look at things. It's just going yeah. to, you know, hyper, yeah. hyper sensitize all the issues that were already right there. And I think mm -hmm. what we do as Americans is we, we're so easily distracted and we have all the tools to be distracted and to be hit with different sensory overload from coming from everywhere. And now, like you said, the COVID forced us to stand still. Yeah. Just sit there. And now we got to look at all these things and not just look at them, but have a magnifying glass and be it right in your face. Right. So, right. yeah, I don't look at these things as negative times at all. You know, it's it's fortunate and unfortunate that we've been able to jumpstart this you know moment of change in our history. And if it's going to be on that level of, you know, empathy, vulnerability and, you know, growing in consciousness of, you know, our country and the people around us like that's. You couldn't, you couldn't ask for it to go in a better direction. Oh, yeah, 100%. But I also, you know, um, I can't speak for business owners. I know it's really hard for people with brick-and-mortar businesses. Oh, man, that's, um, that's tough. You know, people who make a living um, um, uh, with gratuity, uh, Uber drivers, uh, servers, bartenders, like all the people that are really affected financially, um, man, I, just, I can't imagine what that's like. But for them, you know, it's really uh, it's been difficult, you know. I know that's uh, our friends over at Pharos, you know, shout out sure. to them. And I'm, I'm glad yeah. they're going to get the gym open and they've been able to stay afloat. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. It's yeah. a smaller, I think it's a smaller gyms The really, you know, the yoga studios, the, the gyms that kind of barely get by and, and there's a, you know, maybe a hundred members, 200 members, those yeah. gyms that really depend on the classes. And because of the, you know, COVID it's really, I don't know how they're paying rent and how they're surviving. Yeah. I think, uh, again, there's another thing we've been able to take a look at, like why is our economy based off of, you know, massively the restaurant industry and like all these like small time service workers who right. have consistent pay. Like if something were like this to happen, you know, the system crumbles and there's no security for these people. Not only is there yeah. no security for them, but like for a pandemic, but there's just nowhere and nothing they can do now. Also, you know, the fact that we live on credit, the fact that, you know, something like this happens and oh, we man. can't survive is, you know, kind of telling as well. So yeah, I'll, I'm, it's a giant shake up, man. Yeah, it's, credit. It's, it's, <laughs> credit's interesting because I don't think credit is actually, hey, this is how much, um, like how much power you have. It's it's more of like this is how much debt you can take on. That's yeah. how that's how I look at a good credit score. This is how much debt you can take on. This is how right. much more you more you can't, and you're already fucked. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's unfortunate. I mean, that's I mean, I yeah. As a millennial, I looked at all this stuff like indentured servitude, you know, my generation, especially the men in my generation being a co former college and professional athlete, like, um, and I think there's a quote from Fight Club too, you know, we're a bunch of men raised by women, you know, we're just big babies mm -hmm. in, in, in this world today. And, you know, we were told, or I, I wouldn't even say we we're sold a, a, a sack of goods, you know, we were told that this is how life was going to be, this is how it was always going to be. Um, right. And then, you know, you take on all this debt from college, a 9-11 happens, a Patriot Act, two wars, financial crisis, a pandemic, yeah. and you're told to just like, hey, you don't know what it's like to work hard. You don't know what it's like to do this. And, you know, I, th I think my generation, you know, as much as we're still fighting and we get a terrible, um, terrible cut, the way people, uh, you know, chastise us, uh, we're, do we're doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I think your generation is the most savvy, man. I think your generation is uh, the first generation um, to kind of rip up old blueprints of uh, not only what success looks like, how you want to live, um, you know, the kind of business you want to build, all of that, but also like even in love, you know, right now, uh, monogamy is on trial. It's your generation that, that that's asking a lot of questions and doing things that uh, I think previous generations didn't have the courage to. Um, because we're we're busy, you know, tracing older blueprints. Yeah, it, it, it it's good and it's bad because it's like we're in this um, disruption, complete disruptive environment. Like you want to get like a tech startup, where it's complete disruption. Everything is, the molecules, everything is flying all over the place. And like you said, we get to question, you know, how we see race in this country, how we do police brutality, how we yeah. see even monogamy and love and relationships. Yeah. Um, so yeah, <laughs> we're we're really trying to tackle and push everything. Um, what do you what do you see with all that? Why do you see that you know this generation is being able to do that? And uh, where do you see relationships moving? Um, I think the uh, injection of technology, right? So um, just take for example the the dating app. I mean, I, I grew up with pagers. I grew up where you uh, had to go ask someone out and possibly get rejected and. Um, I grew up where you had to pick someone up, you know, and you had to wash your car and put the CD disc changers. You, know. <laughs> um, you guys are swiping now. You guys have apps for everything. So I think technology has um, just created endless opportunities. Uh, it's also um, made everything faster. It's also like, you know, like the, the, the world that, that you grew up in. Um, wh how, how were you? Uh, like, so you, did you grow up? We, into the internet and apps and all that or were you still like a teenager i didn't have the internet when i was born i was born 89 right so i'm 30 so like yeah we got our dial up you know it was probably like eight or nine years old i remember trying okay, to okay but yeah but you were still young yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. But I didn't have a cell phone until I was like 16. I was like, I remember my first girlfriend, she's like, hey, you passed me your number. Like, or who do I call? I said, here's my house number. Ask for Brandon. Right, right, right. <laughs> Someone will answer. You'll find me there. Like, I, I, did, I, I was never all about it. You know, now, I mean, I'm, I'm probably way too attached to this thing. It's sitting yeah, me as too. we speak. But, yeah, but, you know what it, but all this technology has actually allowed you guys to um, be creative and ask questions that uh, my generation didn't. Completely. I see the accountability is like heightened 
it yeah. hypersensitize even more, which is like a great thing, you know, where it's like, oh, hey, where did you get that information from? Yeah. What source did you get that? I feel like that's a big thing missing now that, you know, when we had to go to high school in college, I mean, we had the feet held to our fire, like, hey, where did you get this information from? Is this idea yours up to six words mm. from the text you're getting it from? Right. If right. not, we're going to we're going to expel you and you're fucked. And it's yeah. like, shit, I, I got to do this great. And now it's like the irony of that is like holding that older generation who just, you know, who, you know, even my parents, it's like, Brandon, listen, I, I they don't know how to think critically or they don't care to anymore mm. or they don't need to. And they just get bombarded and everything. I'm like, you can't share that article right there. Where did you get this from? That's not like I know that information. That's not true. Yeah. So um, yeah, like I said, it's, it's been a great thing. I think millennials have been able to, as being the uh, arbiters and being able to assess and manage and look at all this stuff. We have the critical thinking tools. College, all the education system actually taught us something great. And it's now like, you know, I, I'm blessed to to use this stuff and see the the benefits of the internet and all that. But you know, I think that um, in the end, it's it was still developed as a marketing tool to get people to yeah. click on things and look at things. And I think pornography is like, is one in particular that really pulls, even I would say men majority, like, Hey, here's this, you talked about it with dating. You had to go out, you got to wash your car. You had to do this. I got to do my hair, you know, make sure yeah. I look dressed and nice. Cause I work from home. I probably work in my underwear all day. Yeah. It's like, okay, time to look good and clean up. Oh wait, this biological thing that can get me to, you know, orgasm or come, whatever. And now I can just do that in my bedroom, my bathroom, my living room, and I don't have to go out and do this. It kind of like cuts, you know, the sever of, you know, your connection with other people. Yeah. There's a, uh, I think the internet connects us, but also disconnects us at the same time, you know? Um, yeah. You, you guys, uh, I think you guys were, I don't want to say you guys, cause I'm part of this too. But, um, <laughs> I think you guys work really hard and in creative ways, and, and there's a um, there's a lot of uh, amazing things happening because of all the tools that you guys have, and not being afraid to use them. I mean, just watching you now, like I see keyboards behind you, you got your headset on, you got that bus, you're doing all these things, and that's kind of like the the model these days, you know. And I grew up where it's like you go to school, you be a doctor, you go to school, you become an engineer. It's very narrow and one track. Um, with you guys, it's like, fuck, what I'm doing today, maybe not what I'm going to do tomorrow, and that's okay, and all of that. So it's really exciting. The generational, um, the generational conflict is just bigger than ever in terms of, you know, the uh, Gen Xers or, let's say, millennia, uh, you know, the baby boomers said, hey, you can do anything you want. We can promise you anything. And now that they're at that age mark where they're not sure, yeah. you know, we want to keep it as is, you know, on the way out. Rightfully so. We all become a little bit more conservative in our older age. And it's like, wait, listen, you told us anything's possible. We know how to use this thing that you guys invented for us and you never used properly. Yeah. You know, we don't have to go get a regular job every day. We can go oh. and do these things and be oh. these things and do this and that. I mean, and we, and we question those things as far as, you know, gender and sexuality, like, how far we can push the gap you know i even have to question myself like is it really a problem with someone going off and doing this or being this or saying that there really isn't you know and it's like trying to find where those biases are your own like you know conservative mindset and i don't mean conservative you know as a political basis but you know just you track back to your your biases in monogamy or you know typical sexual uh sexual norms like oh that's that's just another person like just we're doing that. So trying to tell that older generation, hey, listen, man, we're going to leave you in the dust. You got to move with us or you're out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're moving forward. We need you on our bus and you're either on the bus or off the bus. The yeah. bus, bus is everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, that takes me into you and your book and I think masculinity. Because um, yeah. I mean, I, I it, it's so hard not, especially being an athlete, trying not to take on those typical masculine roles you know mm -hmm. hiding your feelings hiding your emotions especially being an athlete sure. and i work with a lot of athletes i talk to a lot of athletes and former athletes and so you grew up in locker rooms pretty much right grew up in what locker rooms yeah i mean i even grew up with people older than me i never played with people my age i was i was playing with 12 year olds 16 year olds as i'm eight or 12 and like even wow. like freshman year of my high school team i was the freshman starting varsity i took kids on the team's brother spots wow. And, and wow. so i'm in that 
adult locker room space, 17, 18 year olds. I'm a 14 year old. I was like, what, five, eight, 110 pounds, like yeah, yeah. tiny shrimpy kid. Yeah. And it's intimidating, but I mean, it's, you know, you said that locker room, almost like prison, prison block mindset. Like, Hey, you, you right. can't let anybody get an edge on you. You can't yeah. show any weakness or t like it's all toughness. And I think I've completely taken that over into everything. I think a lot of athletes, you know, we, we do, we never Absolutely. have that time to reflect. Who was your, um, like, who was your male role models? Was it the players? Was it the coaches? Uh, was it your dad? Uh, who uh, who Michael, did you, um, like, emulate? Michael Jordan, since age mm. four, I was able to say, like, watching all those VHS tapes, I tell this story all the time. I remember my parents yeah. never played sports, so, or they weren't, like, competitive athletes. And I picked up a ball by four years old, and I, they were like, holy shit, like, who, how, mm. why? Um, right, right. And so, so you had a natural gift at age four, it showed. Yeah, like by six, I remember specifically like championship game of this little rec league. I, I call timeout. I tell the coach, listen, we're going to roll the ball in because the clock can't start. They can't defend us beyond mm -hmm. the three-point line. Taylor's going to roll the ball in. I'm going to catch it, shoot the three, win the game. And I was doing that at age six. So wow. oh <laughs> I had the crazy confidence and the ego at right. that young age and like able to control and manipulate the game. And then it was never, it was just, I was able to look at Michael Jordan, even at that young age, say, hey, this is the guy who works the hardest, trains the hardest. Mm -hmm. If I can do this, I'm going to be the best. And when I lost, it was like never looking at it as I suck, I'm not good enough, as that guy was better than me. I got to go get in the gym and work harder. Right. And it was just that. So, so uh, growth mindset instead of fixed. Excuse me? A growth mindset instead of fixed. Oh, completely. Like it was always like, oh, that's that's the biggest guy on the block over there. That's the best guard right there. That's yeah. the guy who I have to emulate or be better than. And yeah, I just looked at it like a job. Like first day at Syracuse, like a Johnny Flynn, all American point guard. Okay, I'm a freshman. Not going to probably get any playing time this year. I got to go after this guy every day. And I made me go after him. Like hurt him. It's just like that's my competition. If this is a job and I prove I'm better than him every day. That demands pressure on the staff, it demands pressure on, you know, your bosses, the managers, coaches for you to get that playing spot. So I just went at him every day to improve and get better and stronger. And I looked at that every way I went to go play. How do you think that that um, formed you as a man? So growing up in the locker room, playing ball, um, having that mindset where it's like, I'm only going to get better. Um, how does that pressure, how does all that manifest in you as a, as a man today? It it's tremendous pressure because I take those yeah, mindsets yeah. with podcasting. Okay, Joe Rogan's the best podcaster. I'm shooting for the top. I got to be better than him or I got to say, how do I watch? How do I listen? I'm watching the Tim Ferriss's other podcasts, listening mm -hmm. to them. Who can I, I even work on shows so I can take yeah. those growth mindsets to improve those shows, to take those in to improve mine thing. So I love this, this atmosphere. However, I never get a chance to turn it off. I never get a chance yeah, to reflect. Right, it right. comes down to what is, and I think, you know, especially the female relationships in my life, you know, whether they're dating or just friends, like they see it immediately. It's just like, what's your end goal? <laughs> where, yeah. where, where, where does it end? Like, where, where is it that you're satisfied or happy or, you know, where's your target? So, and again, that's where it goes to like drowning yourself out away from, with all these other projects and, and things because it keeps you busy, but you, you don't get to actually, you know, reflect on what it is. you. So do. This is really interesting because I am like you in that I, I get obsessed with playing with my Legos and, and, you know, I grab something and try to, you know, just indulge in it. Um, I was like that with breakdancing. I was that like that with skating and all of that stuff. Um, but you could lose yourself. You could actually, um, and, but here's the thing, like even like whether we're talking about Michael Jordan or, or Tiger Woods, people at that level, um, they almost don't have a life because everything they do, like their son, you know, they're, they're, the thing that they're building is their son that they revolve around. And so when it comes to things like relationships and stuff, um, it's hard, they, they don't, there's no balance. None at all. I mean, watching yeah. Jordan, like seeing the, a lot more inside look at, you know, just how popular he was. Like he had to just like, keep himself in a, in a hotel room all day because there was thousands of people outside i mean it's like do you yeah. want that life and you know he kind of learned to be a batman where it's like listen i know i have to sacrifice i know i have to be this asshole whether it's to my teammates or this kind of person mm -hmm. in real life i can't speak or say certain things and i he completely owned it 
he said, yeah, that's if you want to do this, you want to be this, you want to win. That's how you got to do it. So, you know, are really, you willing to sacrifice that? Are you willing to um, run towards your goals, your true north and build something and get obsessed with things, whether it's podcasting or the stuff you're doing with your bus and all that. Um, but in return, there is no balance. There is no life there. You know, the relationships are going to be tough, all that, or no, are you at a place in your life at 30 where you're like, you know what? I need to kind of, um, rework my, move my life chips around, shuffle my, my, my deck. <laughs> um, you know, it's been, uh, the thing reflecting the most on and, you know, being this nomad, I would say, you know, as a bus driver traveling yeah. all over the place, um, you know, taking on long distance relationships, they, they've been tough and, you know, that's where it comes in. Oh yeah. Other people it's hard for, but me, I can handle it. So mm -hmm. go, going in blind has, you know, ruined some relationships yeah. and, uh, connections I've had with people and, it's also helped me grow tremendously, you know, and actually reflect like, oh man, like I was a piece of work. I, I, I pushed way too hard. Um, so, you know, now it's, it's trying to find the proper balance. It's learning to say no. Um, yeah. I've definitely been able to do that. And I'd say Stephen Pressfield books are, you know, a great way to do that for your business side. I'm reading Turning Pro right now. And it's just like, mm -hmm. oh my God, this guy, this guy, you, you know, you're able to see yourself in the story, but I mean, there's just way too much. I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's me, you know, just not pulling, here, huh? not pulling the pin on this, you know, just when he was the truck driver going coast to coast, being around people who weren't as strong skilled as he was and to be in those places to avoid being in a better arena or a different arena in order to improve his skills on writing. It was like, just damn it. Oh my God. So many times. I got I to gotta read this. I don't know what book you're talking about, but it sounds uh, amazing. It's called, uh, turning pro. Turning um, pro. Yeah. yeah. I just got it. And Oh man, like in order to get over your hump in terms mm -hmm. of business or just how you see yourself in a, you know, professional sense, you know, if you've read the war of art and all of his other ones, like this yep. one is like, like I said, I'm 40 pages in and I'm like, just, you're laughing and giggling like shit. That's me. Oh, like I out. So <laughs> I don't believe in balance. I don't think that uh, you can be great. I think you could be good. I don't think you can be great. So, um, you know, I don't believe in like making life like the four, the four food groups poster that you have to see in elementary school. Um, I think if you want to be great at something, you, it has to be an obsession, right? But I think you have to have the, the, the ability to lose yourself, but to come back. You can't just lose yourself and then not come back, you know? So mm. I think the way to do it is to thread it into your life, you know? Um, but how can you be great at something, especially with so much noise today, um, whether you're an athlete or a podcaster or whatever, if you just, you know, have balance in your life, you, you, you actually have to get obsessed with your craft to, to really stand out. Completely. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, balance almost doesn't work anymore you know, waking up at the same time every day or eating at a no. certain time. Like, but I feel those, I mean, <sighs> developing those habits creates so much discipline. Like where, where, if there is no balance. I mean, what disciplines can you still take in? I mean, or is that just like, still like the disciplines are there, but you know, do you ever hit a regiment or is it just like, you kind of just go with the flow? Well, I think there's a difference between, no, you don't go with the flow because then you'll never get anything done. <laughs> I think there's a difference between balance and, so it takes routine. It takes daily structure to build anything, you know? Um, I mean, as an athlete, like to, to transform your body or to get stronger, uh, if you just go to the gym when you feel like it, nothing's going to happen, right? So you definitely yeah. need, and then even in the gym, there's a, there's a structure, there's a program, there's something that you do within that 50 minutes. You're not just fucking around. You're not just doing what I did in high school, which is just like, you know, um, lifting the barbell a couple of times and, and chatting with friends. Um, there's actually a program. Um, but also, I think in life, um, from when you get up to when you go to sleep, there has to be a structure. Uh, but I really believe in designing a life that's kind of targeted towards your state. Um, so when you feel your frequency dropping, um, you can adjust and change. Um, it doesn't have to be something that is just a, a plug in, into a calendar and forcing your, yourself to white knuckle through things. So when I say uh, turn into a lifestyle, I think you, if you design your life in a way where um, it's hanging more less on logic and more on how you feel and where you're at your best, 
um, then you can get everything in there. You can get relationships in there. You could raise a, a kid. You could build your empire. You could podcast. You could go. You could do all these things. You know. So I, I, I think it's less about balance and more about life design. Hmm. How does um, masculinity play into that? And like, what do you see wrong with masculinity? In uh, uh, masculinity, I think uh, uh, you know. I think we are in an exciting time where um, men are finally. Um, using words like vulnerability um men are are finally kind of uh, looking at themselves uh, after after the whole me too movement uh, there's conversations now um there's more men on um you know on stage speaking about um their story uh, their shortcomings uh, what it looks like to to be a man so this idea of the marlboro man or um I don't know, John Wayne, maybe, maybe that's way too far back, but um, <laughs> I know like, those. Right. I, I can see those. The, uh, the, the, the big action star. Um, I think that's fading, you know, and I think the new man emerging uh, is not only um, ambitious and a leader, uh, but is also like in touch with uh, his feelings and has the ability to, to say no and to, uh, you know, admit his, uh, his defects, you know, and also is, is reflective. I mean, a lot of men see that as defeatist, you know, people that yeah. are holding on to that image, you know, why yeah. is it not defeatist? And why, why should like people like just like, dude, listen, let it go, man. This, it's not always going to be this way. You got to change. So, so I mean, how, how do you explain to somebody that it's not a defeatist mindset for you to adapt and change? Um, I th so my whole uh, uh, thing with men and then um, also like this book, it came out of working in nonprofit for five years. Uh, and helping teenagers and realizing the common thread was uh, uh, the absent father. And so I realized that most of these teenagers were addicts um, and it was partly because it started at home and there was, there was no positive real, uh, male role model. It was, uh, mm -hmm. it was just mom and dad was either um, not in the house or emotionally absent. So I saw the, the byproduct of that. Uh, and I think those kids now growing up um, and getting better uh, want something different. So, What's cool is now there's space for a new man to emerge, right? Now there's space to, to rip up kind of the old definitions and create something new that's unique to you, you know? Um, and so the, to me, that's exciting. To me, that's like, okay, what does the, the new man look like? What does masculinity look like? And we could redefine that. Yeah, the absence of the father in the household is... It, it, it's... Yeah, they would say, you know, back in the, from the 60s to, you know, I don't know if it was the in the Civil Rights Act when there was just much more dependence or, you know, uh, people claim they was forcing more women to be independent to, you know, escape or divorce um, bad relationships and bad marriages. And yeah. I'm, but I mean, there's definitely a correlation to the success of having, you know, a father and mother in a household. I mean, I think they, oh, yeah, you know, sure. they take percentages numbers and i know you've you know been there and worked with that so again i think that's one of the empathetical things we can have as people to say hey listen this person comes from a single person household whether it's just a mom or just a dad they are already at an impediment because they're not going to be it's going to be that much harder for them to have you know different experiences or take on challenges in life because they only have one parent yeah like those those kids might need a little bit more attention well not call it help you know just they just need someone there you know that volunteering your time um, and yeah, it, it is experiencing working with kids, what I've done with basketball all around the world. And, you know, you, you see people just as people, but you see like, you know, sometimes the longing that, you know, you know, the attention, especially, you know, that, you know, young boys, you know, they want like, hey, look, look at me, shoot this basket. Look, look at me over here. And just like, you know, realizing, you know, reflecting, you know, the attention they want, you know, the approval. Um, and especially, I wonder, I wonder if the other side of this is also, um, because that they came from a, um, a household where there was an absent parent or no emotional milk or whatever, that basketball became their thing uh, and it just made them better, right? So that was their escape. That became their obsession. And maybe if they actually had stability um, or dad was at home, I wonder if <laughs> they would be uh, less of a basketball player. That's, that's an interesting take because yeah. I think you know, those different catalysts is, is a great way for people to escape. And I think it's definitely for, you know, specific individuals. It was a way for them to do it. Yeah. But I, I think in general, it's just for young, young men and young boys, especially like being in that like 
battle in the trenches, teamwork, communication um, is just something that, you know, wh whether it's basketball or any sport or even like, you know, a critical thinking math bowl, like it's, it's, it's something that this is what young men need. They need this, these environments they need because this is how they learn to communicate and talk. This is how they learn to uh, develop skills um, to be, you know, to grow their brains and grow their minds. Um, it, it's, it's environments like these. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. make them better people. And, you know, I, I think those are a big things that are missing. You know, as much as we're talking about, you know, men and young boys being more vulnerable, like that doesn't mean those conversations can't happen in those atmosphere environments because, you know, <laughs> I remember being completely, you know, just completely torn apart by language of coaches, you know, mm, the, you sure. know the things, sure. you know, they say up, up to college, like Jim Beheim just saying some of the most brutal things to you <laughs> yeah. just like undress, undress you you know just like in front of all these people like but like well because these are people that mean everything to you and in every word that comes out of their mouth uh, you're going to take like the word of god you know it, they, it matters you know mm -hmm. but if, they if, become our fathers right as an athlete if those environments are great for young boys or just men or uh guys in general what are what are arenas or facets or is it just a different approaches coaches or those role models can take to present and adapt more vulnerability, especially because you've worked, you know, with, um, with, you know, young kids or, or uh, you know, teenagers who've gone through these things without fathers or without, or had these addictions. Mm. So you mean like what spaces, what areas? Yeah. Um, well, uh, what, what are ways that we can adapt those things in there? What are different like, or, or add on to them where these are already good spaces that we aren't even utilizing enough because, you know, there's accessibility. You got to pay a coach and you got to go pay a team right. or a league yeah. to go in this, <laughs> that we're even cutting off these things where I think like where the, you know, anthropologists think we developed language was hunting. And when we started hunting meat and animals, like all that communication was where we developed languages because we had to tell this person to go around the other side of the hill right. to, to spear the animal over here and to get these animals. I think the, the, the first place, because uh, it can be scaled, is uh, the internet and social media. You know, now we are able to, to uh, um, follow people that we respond to, resonate with. And that person doesn't have to be a movie star. That person can be your neighbor. Um, and so if you follow um, men uh, who resonate with you, then, then suddenly you have spaces uh, to create new definitions, right? So. Um, you know, an example of this is like The Rock, right? Like he's got a, a gazillion followers. And when, when I think about like The Rock, um, I don't really see him as a, an action hero and a, a celebrity and all that. Um, I see him as someone who's uh, creating a dialogue and kind of redefining man. I know, I know he's like very big and muscular and all that, but also uh, he has a lot of honest moments, right? He also kind of speaks from his heart. And so um, just who you follow on social media can be that space, right? Uh, and also uh, virtual groups. I, I have a whole thing called the lab and I've run virtual live groups. So Zoom, um, so virtual spaces is now a real thing. Uh, the internet is a conduit directly into your into your phone and into your uh, house. So all of that, but also the the place that um, you transform your body. So you and I both both you know work out the same place. So um, back ten years ago when CrossFit started, it was a very uh, a container for other men to uh, sharpen themselves, right? Uh, or if the, the environment was toxic, uh, for other men to to not you know not not sharpen themselves. But um, I think. Uh, fitness is, is still a huge uh container where um men directly have influence over each other yeah i mean it's it's unfortunate or it's weird because we, we live in a bubble because like exercising is just like a thing like this whole pandemic happened i got tires at the house sledgehammers like yeah, barbell yeah, yeah. like just i'm still making it happen like that's the thing i gotta go do every day but, it's, a it's a lifestyle it's become a lifestyle yeah but, yeah. you know, we look at the numbers and was it 30 percent of the country is obese, um, almost right. 40 to 50 percent diabetic. Um, you know, again, that's onset of, you know, diets. I don't know how much that except ty uh, di uh, type one diabetes, which is much way more uh, mm -hmm. um, heretic. Uh, you can inherit it as genetic. Yeah. The, um, you, know, you know, that stuff's still missing. Like there's so much of it that doesn't actually happen, you know, you know going to pharaohs and seeing everybody exercise you'd think like this is your model and mold of the country you know it, it's it's even for us to go outside and say you know how 
do we advocate for these things? How is it more important? You know, you said like social media is such a great thing, but you know, creating that lifestyle and discipline is like the hardest part. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we're meant to do it alone. I, I like the idea of doing it in tribes, you know, and also going back to fitness, LA and California is not, not the norm. You know, we're, <laughs> we're freaks go to, um, go to Georgia, go to tech, go to, you know, somewhere else, uh, the, the Midwest somewhere, and you'll see kind of the, the average diet. Yeah, the San average. Antonio, Texas. I'm not knocking on you, San Antonio, but it's like the place with the most um, obesity and overweight people in the country. Right. Like you just right. go through the, the middle of the country and it's like. A- anywhere where you start with nachos, you, you start with, and that's the app, that's the, that's the bread they bring you out is nachos. And then from there you, you order your food. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So um, I, I really hope, uh, you know, again, and I like what you said there about it. You don't have to go into it alone. I think that's something that people are not as afraid of, but people look down upon that. Like even like here, I have this, the, the house I live in, there's four or five other people. Most of them work from home as well, you know, and it's like, you know, everybody's still kind of got their back. We were friends with this before. Some people are new and moved in, but like going in this together, like, hey, I need yeah. help, you know, look at this, you know, new project or proposal. Can you take your eyes on this? What do you guys yeah. think? It's there's nothing wrong with that. And pe- people are scared of it. And I think it, it's even our country scared of it. Cause you know, we're told with this, even this mindset of capitalism that, Hey, you got to take out the next big guy in front of you. Kind of like how I looked at basketball. Right. And like, but like you said, like when you get to that point, you know, Jeff Bezos is the richest guy in the world, but now he's going for a trillion. Like when yeah. is it going to be enough? And how much is it with the people around you that are, if you're living in a gold, plated palace but everybody else around you is homeless or has nothing like what are you doing it for and how much is well, that you, you also kind of create your own island you know like you're so far to relating with uh, another human um that i i think they could also be very lonely you know um i i think we're tribal creatures i know for me uh ever since i was 12 when i when i joined a breakdancing crew um i was always a better version of myself if i had um an awesome tribe if I was a part of something. So whether it was breakdancing or skating, you know, we, we had, we had a few like a crew that would skate with, um, or uh, CrossFit. I did that for a while. Um, that, that like, that shapes you and pushes you more than you being by yourself in the basement, you know? Um, and I don't think we're wired to do things alone. I've always been happier in communities. So whether, uh, so now today we have virtual communities. So, um, you know, I, I don't think there's anything better than in-person, but even virtual communities now, now you could, there's no reason to do anything alone. Mm-hmm. Do you still board? Uh, no, I, I, uh, I, I wish I could, but I, I just, I can't, I could, um, I used to be able to all over trash cans and stuff and I can't even sweet on the street. I'd eat it. So I, for my 30th, like I've never owned a skateboard. I, mm-hmm. I I've, I've surfed on and off skimboarded because i'm from florida so that's all we got oh i used to skimboard i to love that oh it, it's great yeah. it gets such a negative like you know surfers look down upon it yeah 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 yeah. you yeah. got no waves breaking you know you got the shore yeah it's hard man i remember it was 17 we got the state championship tournament and i was skipping school and i was <laughs> skimboarding at the beach yeah and i land on my shoulder and i i just like sprained it you know there was nothing too bad i'm 17 you know i'm indestructible but, you know, just, I was always pretty honest and straightforward. I'm talking with the administrators, like, just what the hell is wrong with you? You're supposed to be playing college ball. Like, where, where's your head at? We got states yeah. next week. The first time I've been to states in 50 years. Wow. <laughs> um, but no, I bought a board for my 30th, a long board. And it just, oh, man, it, it just been great to, to get me out to the beach every day. I just had never oh, yeah. to walk. Yeah. And yeah just like that though it's just like oh man i gotta be better than my buddies i gotta be better than the people around me i gotta i gotta i gotta be cruising on this i can't fall off i gotta be fucking solid it's but it, it, so the, it's, the, the athlete in you kicks in huh so look there's a there's a longboard behind me right next to the the christian and soy skateboard but i see it uh, yeah so even with the longboard um because that for more for that was for recreation right and even with that um when you got on it you, you suddenly put on your uh, competitive hat you had to be better Absolutely. Um, God, you know, when, when I when I hear this in you, because um, obviously that's definitely the athlete in you. There's a part of me that is like envious of that, right? Because um, I don't know how how much I have that. Maybe a little bit, 
Um, but then there's also another part of me that is glad that doesn't have that because <laughs> God, the pressure of that, like everything I do, um, whether it's driving my car or riding a skateboard, um, the pressure of wanting to, to be better or the best, that's got to be tough. Thousand percent. I yeah. think, um, yeah, that's what everybody else says. Like that does get close to me that I even, yeah. I'll, even allow in because I've realized too, like I'm actually so restrictive of like how open and how open up like right. that composure and poise you learn in those high intensity situations like sure. even like you know i remember we we're driving the bus and we were driving to chicago we had, they had a big event for the company mm -hmm. um we rebuilt this they rebuilt a gymnasium out there like hundred thousand dollar gymnasium etched in the floor brought like um an nba all-star experience to this you know underserved neighborhood on the west southwest side of chicago it's amazing experience like to be a part of like it was incredible um but anyways like we're, we're in a blizzard from albuquerque to amarillo like one of the toughest blizzards i've been i've driven buses and been mm -hmm. in crazy situations everywhere but you know just like we have a time crunch we're already behind schedule everybody in the bus is freaking out and it's like all right no no got this bus tighten up you know poise it's like yeah. jim Beheim, you know hey you can curse and yell at me whatever you want in the locker room i don't care if you hate me or not but on the floor none of that we're we're, you know, we're on the on the court it's composure and poise so just being able to push those feelings emotion down put it on the shelf right here yeah, yeah. Deal with later and it's you get people through it you know but at the same time like the pressure it, it, it's it's i don't know why <laughs> but i somehow is still like a little addicted and i like it sure sure so what are you doing now to um to, to be like that, but in a healthier way, or, or are you not? No, no. How the, do you manage that? There, there, I, I don't, I just continue to take it on on a daily, mm -hmm. um, you know, because at the same time it offers me so many opportunities in life Sure. to yeah. take on this, to, to be that person. But you know, it, it gets to that point, like you said, you know, it's not sustainable. I understand it's sustainable, but you know, for doing it for so long, unsure where to start and where to go with that, because yeah. you know, like, like we talk about, you know, we're here, we're talking about the rate of change happening in society and all these things. And even, you know, from the individual to the collective of all of us, but you know, even myself, like everybody else out there, you know, who's having a hard time, it's like where to start, <laughs> where to go. We're yeah. all, you know, trying to find that launch point. And at the same time, I'm trying to hit a home run on that launch point. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. Just get on base. <laughs> just, just get the first, and we can go from there. Just get on base. That should be a T-shirt. <laughs> just, uh, just get on base. Uh, yeah, man. And you know what? I'm 47, so I'm much older than you. And uh, I, of course, you know, when I was uh, uh, running a club in Hollywood, and I was writing a, I was a screenwriter. Um, I was very obsessed with trying to be the best. Um, then I got married. Uh, you, you can't try to be the best in relationships. That's really tough because <laughs> it's not just about you, right? Um, and now, I don't know. I, I, I'm still ambitious. I still want a lot of things. I'm still building. Um, but I definitely, um, there are other things that matter more to me. And I love when we started this, you were like, dude, I, I just love waking up. I love putting on the headphones. I, I love drinking coffee. And I, that's kind of where I'm at. I actually love um, a lot of the, the smaller things in life. Um, meaningful conversations. I've kind of went from, uh, you know, chasing shiny things to just uh, hanging my life more on meaning, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. is that what you did? Um, you know, from, you know, you mentioned you know, the, the first marriage you had, to trying to compete and be the best, you know, to try, I know, being a writing screenplays and you yeah. know, ch chasing all these things. Like, is that what you did to, you know, kind of say like, hey, I need to enjoy those more moments. I need to enjoy more of these smaller things. Yeah. So what, what happened? Was, well, it was a divorce. So it was uh, uh, once I got a divorce, I kind of left with nothing except my my pillow, and uh, I had to start life all over again. So I, I didn't have any friends. Um, I didn't make friends because I didn't think they were important. Before it was all about you know selling screenplays and trying to become successful to get that house in the hills and all of that. Yeah. The, uh, the Range Rover Porsche combo. Um, growing up in L.A. Um, and once I got a divorce. I was like, oh my God, I, it's now time to kind of shake my life edge a sketch. So I had no friends. I didn't know, know what I wanted to do. 
Um, I was getting therapy myself and my therapist is the reason why I decided to stop screenwriting because it wasn't making me happy and I wanted to become a therapist. And I said to myself, if I can't move people by the masses, uh, I'll do it one at a time. And I've always loved psychology. So I went back to school at 35, um, got my master's. Um, and then I was frustrated with that because it didn't fit who I was. So I wasn't the guy with the, the, the um, you know, shirt, uh, shirt and tie tucked in. That wasn't me. And so I started a blog called Angry Therapist. And when I was working in clinical settings and treatment centers, I felt like Clark Kent pushing the mail cart. And then when I came home and started playing with the internet and blogging and stuff, and this was on Tumblr 10 years ago, I felt like Superman. I felt like I was given a cape because I had a voice. And so I just felt like, okay, this is more my truth. And I just fed the shit out of that. I got obsessed with that. Um, and, and then that led to, you know, books. And now I have um, teams and a coaching company and all this. And, uh, um, finally have built a life that, that like has a lot of freedom and, you know, I'm finally able to design my days, um, in a way that's, uh, just like, I have so much gratitude now. Like I don't punch the, the clock anymore. You know, I, I, I punch the sky, which sounds cheesy, but, um, <laughs> that's how I feel. No, it's amazing. It's, you know, to, to go back to even just even go back to school at 35, but also just being able to look at and reflect and say, this isn't making me happy. Yeah. Now, am, am I willing to admit that? Am I willing to acknowledge that? And am I willing to, you know, start fishing and trying something new? And um, Well, that, and I, that's the first domino is that, that acknowledgement, you know, um, I was very disconnected with myself. So it was in me reconnecting to myself where I got the courage to now do things uh, that I didn't have courage to do before. Yeah. This is what I, uh, work with a lot of college athletes with like i'm just offering like five podcast scholarships like hey i'm gonna help you launch create and launch your own podcast whether mm -hmm. you're a college athlete or former college athlete i'm gonna help you do it for free here here's the opportunity reach out to me so uh, i'm helping two kids right now that's awesome um just get it launched and get it going because i think you know once basketball and like you mentioned like some whether you're an athlete or whether you're just a, a person, you know, your, your identity you stick to for, you know, you, for you, it was till you were 35 to say like, Hey, listen, no, nope, going back to school. This is what makes me happy. Like you can't, you, you're kind of forced out of sports due to, you know, percentage right. job opportunity. So it's right. like, you know, a lot of guys just think like, I have to do something with basketball. I'm just going to be a basketball trainer in my hometown. Mm. My, my thing I hate for athletes and athletes, I'm saying this for you. And I know a bunch of you too do this. Like, who are just like, hey, enterprise rental car, come over and be a sales rep for us. And I'm like, oh, yeah. guys, don't sell out. Do not go there. You are you have so much to offer and so many things you can give back to people. Um, that's like, that's basically giving up. You know, that's basically telling yourself that, okay, I was an athlete. I'm now killing that person and I'm going to go, you know, sell tires or do whatever. Um, you're going to turn invisible. And I don't want that for them, you know, oh, <laughs> as much as I don't want it for me. It's like, no guys, I got your back, right? Get on the bus. We're, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna take you to where you want to go. We're gonna help you get to where you want to go. And, um, I, I dealt with this myself, you know, mm -hmm. after I tried to even make a comeback after coaching and I had like five to seven serious concussions, I had a contusion on the brain. I got wow. hit so many times. Um, back spasms, um, crooked back, neck, uh, the herniatus in the neck and the back. It was just, and then I tried to make a comeback. There's uh this thing that happens, the TBT, and mm -hmm. it's like a million dollar cash prize basketball tournament. It was like the Syracuse team they put together invited me to play the first year. So I'm like, okay, uh -oh. I'm coming back. One right, more right. last run. Wait, how old were you when this happened? 25, 26. Oh, wow. Still young. Right, right. And I ruptured my kidney in a $10,000 cash oh, prize basketball shit. game. Oh, and my God rupture tear of the kidney and it was like just oh man that i don't wish that upon everybody when your body goes into shock like that wow it's just hard to breathe or you're hey, how did that happen just aggressive playing aggressively like <laughs> no no it wasn't even like an intentional hit um so i was born with hydronephrosis or they thought was hydronephrosis mm -hmm. so i was never supposed to even play contact sports induction oh, my whole life there was like a surgery when i was three they were like should we have surgery or not the board was split because when they used to do kidney surgeries, they would cut you like in the middle of your body all the way around like a can. So, right. you know, the board was 50-50. My parents opted not to do it. And, you know, even though I was in this place, contact sports, I did. And I made it this far. And 
I guess my body just being in that state of like just hyper training again, you know, mm-hmm. two or three times a day I'm playing and working. I was working in Kuwait. This happened out of the country too. Wow. Um, like I, some guy was just setting a screen and I just rubbed off on it and it just popped that kidney. And uh, yeah, was in the hospital for a week there. There's no pain medication because of, you know, certain uh, Islamic laws and Sharia law. You know, we can only give certain pain medications with opioids to certain people or else we think you're a drug addict. And I'm like, so I, I couldn't even get pain medicine. It was a week in the uh, hospital and my kidneys like were just like just like being squeezed like a like a water being squeezed out of a rag. That's what it feels like when you rupture. Was that order. a defining moment for you? Was that, you know, when your life took a turn? And It, it was for me because I was coaching basketball in the Middle East, and it was like, mm-hmm. okay, like now I definitely can't play. Anyway, I still play now. Right. I, mean, I, I had surgery a few right. years, like a year or two later. But it for me, it was I eventually went down to South America and set up a whole ayahuasca ceremony. Like I'm going all the way in now like let's prep and plan for this for six months what's going on in life how you see relationships love basketball like yeah yeah really that that was that was that was the game changer that was uh your first domino no that was definitely it was a big domino but it was like domino like two through five the first one was after i got a concussion in rochester playing for a minor league team uh the Mm -hmm. rochester razor sharks and some six nine guy just gets a rebound. I think I'm about to get the rebound, take off, and go down. And he lands elbow on the top of my head like this, and oh. I got knocked out on that one. And it was oh. just, yeah, like for two weeks, like I had to. I wouldn't say hearing voices, but like it was just like, like I remember went right back into coaching after I got cut there, and it was like just, okay, class is over. I was teaching, uh, you know, different physical education classes and like preschools, like well, like. I got to go. Like, I, I can't even, like, focus and concentrate. Like, I, and so that was just, like, all the research, changing diet up. I was yeah. in keto for a long time from wow. that moment on, um, just for brain health and uh, just changing the way I ate. And You know, we're talking about basketball, and it sounds like we're talking about MMA fighting. The injuries <laughs> that you're talking about, I'm like, how does that even happen? <laughs> Holy shit. I play hard. I play fast. Yeah, that's uh, I, I could I could see that, man. I could sense the energy as you're telling your story. Holy like fuck. like the moment, like people don't realize momentum is like a sign. It's like a it's a it's yeah. a thing. There's a scientific yeah. equation for it. And sure. so, you know, that mass times velocity. I don't have that much mass, but I move. I ran a four three in college so it's like I, I can move on the court yeah. as quick as can be so wow. you, know, you go to the basket on a 6 9 280 pound guy oh, yeah the momentum behind that you run into him or you get yeah. your legs taken out and you fall like in ukraine some kid took my legs out on a layup and i fell on my head and neck here wow and it was and there was another moment right there where it's just like i already had a bunch of pills from doctors that I went to because I already had this problems and it's like I need to keep mm. this basketball job I, I want to make sure I get signed while I'm out here with the team I'm playing with and it's like I remember being in, in Poland and popping like I think I was on five pills for that game it was wow. and I won the all tournament which is like MVP all-star of the tournament and I was just like talking with my girlfriend at the time on Skype after and it's like I don't even remember that conversation even though it was after the game and it was just like yeah, this is this is not good. This I don't want to do this, and I don't want to be this. Like, there's got to yeah. be a, you. You can't play the game like that. You know, it, it's incredible you can do that, but like that is not what it's for, and that's not why you right. did this. Right. That was one of those. Those two were like first real big moments, but like just yeah. Well, like time time to to go back to the chalkboard. <laughs> so let me let me ask you this, and maybe we could end on this. Um, okay. What's next for you? Do you know? Are you still exploring? what's your what's your obsession um it's taking that energy i have that you know you were able to pick up right when we started the show and you know transferring that energy or you know lighting the fire of that energy in other people college athletes Mm -hmm. you know kids adults like listen like traveling has been such a big thing for me i've been grateful to travel so Mm -hmm. i've seen the worst things around the world i've seen the best things around the world we live in an amazing place americans are the most privileged lucky people in the world what we do here ripples out to the rest of the world there's no other protests that or events that happen around the world that we protest here we got people in 75 countries protesting black lives matter Mm -hmm. uh, george floyd like we sneeze here the rest of the world gets a cold like it's (laughs) 
It's, right, right. It's, it, I say it's like, it's amazing. Like, yeah. I told this story yesterday. Thirteen year old girl who's asking with you know a hijab on about Coachella and all these things mm -hmm. as watching the live stream before class, and it's like, like you don't realize the culture and the art that we impact the rest of the world. So I kind of really want to be a conduit of that. I love doing that with the show, the content I create. Mm -hmm. um, being a part of this hoop bus project is you know. You know, who knew that taking on this character, the bus and basketball would be such a great thing. So, you know, continuing to keep my options open. And I, I really just want to, you know, not, not to be the personality, but just be, you know, the individual that continue to impact people, whether it's through social things. Right. The content. And, yeah. um, and I love rolling up my sleeves and getting dirty. Like, hey, let's hit the ground. What is it we're going to be doing? Um, yeah. You know, starting a new project. Yeah, I see that on your social. Social. The uh, the word that comes to my mind is is, is a word I use a lot, especially with my coaches, is a a catalyst. Your your catalyst. Yeah, and I, I don't know how yet to, you know, what that what the final version of that still looks like. You know, sure. just being this creative now, like it was yeah. just it's three years old. I picked up a microphone three years ago, a camera two years ago, and <laughs> the opportunities and you know my you know a desire to be good at it or to be the best at it, you know, is, is giving me so many amazing opportunities and things. So I don't know what the final piece of that looks like, but, um, I'm able to take care of myself, you know, financially and, uh, every day, you know, I, I think doing it without knowing what the final piece looks like is rare. And I think that's kind of a new definition of what, uh, success, entrepreneurship, whatever that looks like. Um, you know, not focusing on the scoreboard, not focusing on the corner office, but more on the journey. And so you actually practicing that in life. Um, you know, I think a lot of kids, you know, and people follow you. That's that in itself is an inspiration, right? So not putting weight on where you're going to go, but putting weight on you going there, I think is really interesting. Yeah. And, and if I can lead by example, yeah, by, you know, doing all those things, whether they be as absurd as possible, and I'm not afraid yeah. to, to yeah. do those absurd things like finding a cocaine lab in Colombia and making cocaine from scratch with these, you know, drug dealers there. Like, <laughs> Hey, this is, this is how, right. this is a, this is a drug that, you know, people in, in the U S and the UK fuels their nightlife. And this little farmer here is making this, you know, from, you know, out of plants that he's never going to do or never use. And just like, I'm actually interested in the story, you know, mm -hmm. of this planet where it uh, comes from. And then like seeing the gasoline and the phosphorus and everything that goes inside of it, you're like, Oh my God. One of the things I live by, uh, and speaking of bus, um, is uh, to build a bus while I'm driving it. And I've always, I've always thought that that was a defect of mine, but in the last five years, I realized that it's a gift. And uh, the stuff that I'm doing now, a lot of it wouldn't have happened if I didn't just do it and worry about, you know, um, how I'm going to do it while I'm, while I'm doing it. So building the bus while I'm driving it is kind of like my motto. Um, which is, that. which is what you're doing and literally do. Yeah. Um, I do. I, first of all, I love the motorcycle thing. I got to get on the Pharaoh's motorcycle gang. I got, yeah. I got to get a license. That's yeah. like my next big thing to get a bike. Um, God, it scares me, man, because you have so much energy. It's like, dude, if we get, if you get a bike, we, 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 we got to take it easy, but uh, yeah, it's easy. You just take the motorcycle course. Um, I started with the 620. I now have an 1800. Um, and it's, it's one of the things that I love the most in life is just to go for a ride for, you know, 10, 20 minutes and it, it's my meditation machine. So, um, there's a lot of us with motorcycles. So get your bike and we'll, we'll, we'll do it in a tr like a tribe. Dude, I'm so ready. And again, I know everybody is so scared for me to get one of these, but like, I, I'm not going to be riding it down the lane lines of the I-10. No, 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 no. I'm no, going no. north on the two to the one yeah, yeah, yeah. like out yeah. of town, it's Canyon, to Joshua. Right, right, right. No, you're not doing wheelies from stoplight to slot. Yeah, it's it's a long ride. It's PCH, just hugging the canyons, that kind of shit. Yes, it's it's Hunter Thompson style. I, I, that's, I'm, yeah, too, yeah, yeah. I'm too relatable or try to model Hunter Thompson as well. So just like with like writing, how he did lived his life, like way too close to it. But like another thing is when he writes on the motorcycle and writes about it, you know, just mm. buy the ticket, take the ride and just we're off. I love it, man. There's another t-shirt, buy the ticket and take the ride. <laughs> Dude, thank you so much for yep. uh, jumping on. I, I love the conversation. Uh, ready to have you back on again, whenever. Yep. Um, please uh, let people know where they can, you know, book a session with you, join all these different virtual rooms that you're working on. And I know, you know, they get the book on Amazon, but if there's another place that you want to direct them to buy that, 
Uh, no, you get my books on Amazon, and then uh, it's uh, you can just find me at at the Angry Therapist across social. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Dude, not a problem. Anytime, yeah. like I said, you're welcome back, and uh, I'll definitely be seeing you at Pharaohs. Yeah, I'll see you the gym. I need that motorcycle stuff too. If you could send me over the how tos. Oh, for sure. Uh, for sure. It, how long do you think it takes? It only takes um, a weekend to get the get the did the course, and well, then um, then you just go to DMV and you get your license, um, and then you're off. Then you go buy a, a used bike or new bike, and then you just. I, I took Pete into a giant parking lot and got him on his first bike and then now he's now he's all good yeah so <laughs> we just practice around the streets and then and he i mean he kind of cut it really quick uh they're so easy to run amazing well i'm yep. gonna sign us out here thank you guys everybody for tuning into the show remember like and subscribe i hate plugging myself but it's how people find these shows how they yeah, can sure. hear these conversations like the conversations we had today um go check out john's book it's great um, especially, you know, if you're as masculine of a man as you think you are, or I, I think I am. It was a great book to read, you know, reading it two or more times before I had him on the show again today. Um, it was a great opportunity to reflect on, you know, how you see yourself and how you see yourself as a man in the world. So definitely go check out that book. Check out his Instagram page. And, yeah, thank you, everybody, for tuning in as always. You're either on the yeah. bus or off the bus. Peace. Thank you. All right, man, be well. This is the moment uh, for those who...